Welcome back to another edition of the Wits Up Podcast. It is fantastic to see all of your friendly faces. Today, we are chatting with Kimberly Morrison, and uh, for a good chunk of it, we're talking dogs. Let's be honest. That's This is a podcast about triathletes and dogs, and if you're not into dogs, then, well, you're probably not listening because I, I feel like dogs come up in pretty much every conversation that we have here on the Wits Up podcast. So anyway, a warning, there's a bit about dogs and Kim's dogs are just divine. They are massive bundles of fur and apparently, well, I saw that they pretty much sat under her feet the entire conversation. So anyway, that's one of the things we talk about with Kim. Um, another thing that we bring up is this is something I tried the other day. I've seen lots of people doing it. Uh, a friend in Ireland does it and she she posts about it a little bit. That's where I first saw it. It's this cold water therapy thing that pe- people are doing. Um, and I posted about this on my own personal account just the other day. I've done a zero research into it, but I know that there is a lot of research out there. I've just essentially had other people saying, yeah, give it a shot. So I did for the first time the other day. I jumped in the bay here in Melbourne. It was a cold day. We are in winter, Um, but the sun was out. So it was was just a stunning day. The bay was calm and flat. And yeah, I jumped into the water for five minutes or so and splashed about. We cannot call it a swim. It wasn't a swim. It was just a, I think I called it a dunk and a bob, (laughs) dunking and bobbing. And I felt revitalized. I felt calm, which is weird because I was like, I felt energized, but I also felt calm, which, yeah, I guess that can work together. It just, maybe it just sounds a bit weird in the same sentence, but I had this calmness about me. Um, and like almost like this reset button, it felt, it felt awesome. Um, it was freaking cold, but it was, it was definitely awesome. So I'm going to keep it up. Uh, anyway, there you go. Random stories from a random person. Not random as in you don't know me, but a person who is known for random rambling. <laughs> you knew that. You knew that going into this episode because it's what every episode is about. Anyways, going to love you and leave you. Let's get on with my chat with Kim Morrison. Um, I love listening to your podcast, Steph. Um, the Immo Simo one was hilarious. And um, Oh, Yeah. I obviously listened to Kat, a really close friend in triathlon. Um, but the one that really got me was, was it Helen Jenkins? Um, oh. Before Easter? Yep. Yeah, like what a dream that interview was. She just sounded like a dream to chat to. I would just love to sit with her for hours and chat. She sounded wonderful. She, for someone who I honestly haven't had that much to do with, um, not for any reason other than, you know, just passing ships and, you know, uh, all, all that kind of thing. I mean, I haven't been able to sort of meet with her face-to-face really very much. It felt like it was an old mate. Just, I don't know, she's just got this warmth about her that, I don't know. Yeah, I felt super, I felt like it was a super comfortable conversation. Yeah, I love listening to it. It was great. And uh, she's racing. Oh, that's awesome. She's racing in our hometown in 10 days, actually. She's coming to the Holcomb Outlaw, so I'll get the pleasure of meeting her for the first time, which I'm super excited about. Oh, that's cool. Oh, I like it. Yeah, she's uh, she's definitely one of a kind. She also reached out to me when I was pregnant or when Frankie was very young and just just checked in. I was like, how cool yeah. is that? Yeah, yeah. She's an awesome human. Yeah. yeah. All right, let's get started. Perfect. Let's get started. Uh, welcome to the Wits Up podcast. Uh, Kim, now your full name is Kimberly Morrison, but I assume you're a Kim, right? I'm a Kim. It's easier. I'm also a Morrison because it's easier, but I'm actually Kimberly Holton Farrow. But I had this conversation yesterday with someone. Why? Huh? You 
you signed your beauty form as Kimberly Morrison. Hold to the fire, no? I was like, oh, it's the racing. Kim Morrison, so easy. Kimberly holds yeah. the fire. What a mouthful. <laughs> <laughs> so is that a double barrel last name from your parents? Is that how it works? No, no, it's my, it was my husband's surname. So I just took on his surname. He had a double barrel surname. Okay, so you've kept Morrison, which is your maiden name, but that's like your celebrity name. Yeah, so on my passport, I'm Kimberly Holton Farrow. Anything triathlon related, Kim Kimberly Morrison. Got it. Got it. There's and quite a few Kim, athletes. Or Kim More Reasons. More Reasons to Shop at Morrison's. That's my Instagram handle. <laughs> Okay, so that was going to be my next question. Where does Kimo Reasons come from? And I think it needs a little bit more of an explanation. Yeah, here in the UK, we have a Morrison's in Europe, yeah? I mean, I should know. It's our supermarket, right? <laughs> um, <laughs> Morrison's slogan is more reasons to shop at Morrison's. And at university, with alongside the hockey banter, I was always Kim More Reasons. So that was the name that rolled off everyone's tongue. That was my nickname. Got it. Okay. More reasons. Got it. Okay. Yeah. That's definitely a UK. Th well, it's definitely not here in Australia. That's for sure. Otherwise you'd be, um, Kim down, down prices are down. That's a slogan for one of our supermarkets. <laughs> <laughs> Would I want to be known as prices are down? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> <not sure. laughs> I don't think so. Um, let's get, let's get stuck straight into what, let's be honest, what we're both here for. Um, and, and that is a discussion about dogs. <laughs> yeah. So you asked me, um, you asked me when we set up this interview, anything I've changed my mind about, uh, in the last, was it 12, 18 months? And it's certainly mm. the size of our wolf pack at home. Um, we have an Alaskan Malamute Suka who's more wolf than dog. She howls, doesn't bark. And we had another addition join our wolf pack just six months ago, a Samoyed. So we are collecting quite the pack of wolves. <laughs> and they they are big dogs. They're like wolves slash bears. They're big. They're bears. We have a 40-kilo Malamute and they're already a six-month-year-old, 17.4-kilo Samoyed. That's a lot of weight. <laughs> That's a human. So how, how big will the second one get? Yeah, he'll get to about 30 kilos, so he'll always be slightly smaller than his sister. But they're just, wow. what makes them look even bigger than they weigh is the amount of fur. I mean, the the upkeep of these guys is a full-time job. It's not just the walkies yep. and the cuddles and the feeding. It's the, it's the grooming um, that happens daily. <laughs> I absolutely love it. I'm collecting all the fur for something, I don't know, to stuff a pillow or something, but... It's just piling up and piling up, and I've still done nothing with it. <laughs> oh my god, is that a thing, or will, should it be a thing when you collect you collect fur and it turns into to pillows or or duvets or doona, I don't know, whatever you call it over there. But is that is that yeah. a thing? I, I would say that absolutely not a thing, and it should go in the bin because the most yeah. of the fur that we get out is so dirty. <laughs> <laughs> um, now straight up. Uh, well, I mean, I already knew this because it's obvious that you uh, love your dogs, but the fact that you called it walkies, not going for a walk, they are 100% your babies. As soon as you put IES on the end of something like that, yeah, you know that the thing that you're talking about, it's it's your baby. Uh, it's quite embarrassing, isn't it? I mean, <laughs> I know friends do it with their kids, but when I'm talking to them or about them, more to them, my voice kind of goes a bit silly and squeaky and baby-like. <laughs> oh, it's embarrassing, but I wouldn't change it. I wouldn't change it for the world. They are my babies. And they are. And the thing is, people people who are dog people, they get you. And, so, and people who aren't dog people, who cares? Steph, do you have dogs at home? I've got one. Uh, bought a collie. I was going to – oh. Is it? Oh yeah. Wait, hang on. Here's a, here's a photo of him. This is Henry. Ah, oh, always got a photo. The most handsome. Beautiful. Yeah. So not even Frankie's on my shelf behind me, but my dog is. 
Oh, uh, yes, I got I got Henry when I was single, and he was yeah my my companion. And then Brett came onto the scene about an, a year later, um, and there there were issues. Hen- Henry and Brett did not get along in the very early <laughs> stages, and it was it was yeah I was going to have to make a decision, and I think we all know uh, that I would have had to learn how to cook pretty pretty quickly. <laughs> Because I married Brett because he's a chef. That's the main reason. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, anyways, let's get let's uh, let's get, <laughs> try and move away from dogs. But I'm sure it's going to always circle back. Um, and I kind of remember if you mentioned this when I hit record, but you were talking about. Um, oh no, you did because we were talking about your your nickname surname. Did you say that yeah. was back in hockey days? Hockey days, yeah, Loughborough University. Yeah, I was a, a dedicated uh, Loughborough hockey girl, more so than I was <laughs> on the degree, although I did come out with a mathematics degree. Yeah, like what a commitment the hockey club is at Loughborough University. Wow. I learned a whole new bunch of skills joining that. Yeah, I'm sensing some sarcasm. Well, no, just the dedication to it. <laughs> what? <laughs> I thought there was some sarcasm there, like you weren't known for uh, hockey in Loughborough. Loughborough? Well, well, the sarcasm's kind of because, like, the hockey club was uh, such a commitment. It was a daily commitment thing, not just the training but the socialising side. But uh, one little story is we went, on, we went on hockey tour and I came and I brought all my Loughborough kit, my stick. You know, I was, oh, yeah, we – you know, we're going to be prepping the night before tactics, all this kind of stuff. I thought, yeah, it's kind of like pros going on tour. Nothing like it. Like everyone was laughing at me. Kim's brought a hockey sick bag. <laughs> all this. It was just a really big boozy Lorette de Mar. And if you you know your European party hotspots, um, you'll know Lorette de Mar. Maybe not for the right reasons. Yeah, it was just a <laughs> hockey tour. For, for, for party goers uh-huh. and there I was with my Loughborough skirt and jersey and hockey stick all prim proper ready to go no it wasn't that kind of trip at all <laughs> so, so what's the, the biggest um, lesson that you learned oh have water with you all the time because there's dedicated <laughs> shop girls walking around the bus and it's like Kim more reasons <laughs> you're up you're ridiculous you brought your hockey stick with you <laughs> Oh yeah, so that would have been picking on picking on you big time. Yeah, I mean, what what what, yeah. what a whirlwind of a, a few years being part of that hockey club was. <laughs> Amazing. Did you did you ever do that? Um, so you kind of drill holes in the hockey stick, and it doesn't go all the way through, but it's places to put um, shot glasses, and then you stick shot glasses in there. I don't think this wow. is ringing a bell. And then. Yeah, and then a group of people, so like say you have five shot glasses all sort of glued to this stick and then five people all do a shot together all in a line with the hockey stick. That's great. That's so much more glamorous than us <laughs> sticking our heads in buckets, <laughs> which is what we were doing. <laughs> yeah, great. No, love that. Never did that. <laughs> okay, so so hockey, so you come from a team sport background, right? Mm, yeah. How was, and I ask everyone this who comes from, I guess, a team sport background into an individual sport, um, mostly because I found it interesting myself because I come I come from team sport backgrounds my entire life and then somehow landed in triathlon and I, and I look back at that and think it's a bit bizarre because I've, I vividly remember enjoying the team aspect of, of the team sports. So how was your transition over to team sports, to an individual pursuit? Yeah, I I did some individual sports at a younger age too. Like athletics was kind of a focus. I went to um, the the nationals in, in hurdles and high jumps. So that was kind of individual, but that never felt individual because although you were competing on your own, the travel and the, the, the prep and, and everything that goes around sport was in a team, even though we're doing individual events. And that completely translates to triathlon. Um, mm. I must admit, it has felt a little bit solo 
of late, um, especially doing a lot of my training from home. I mean, yesterday was the first time I actually went to a public pool because I do my swimming at home. Um, so that has felt very solo. But the sport of triathlon, I really feel like it is, pre- it is pretty big. It does feel like a team. Um, I appreciate I'm not going out and, and doing this solo. And there is a mm. bunch of us that are all willing, myself and one another, and got some great friends in the sport, um, to do well. So I'd say the only part of it that feels kind of solo is is what I'm kind of been experiencing the last 18 months. But as a sport, mm. although it's individual, feels like a team. Yeah. And I feel like, and I feel the same as well. And and that's what we always promote in triathlon, isn't it? That it's 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 a team that gets you, that helps get you to the start line, and um, it's it's very much um, a, a group of people, particularly in the professional field. Um, that's for sure. Who who are some of your close mates in the sport? Oh, Kat Matthews and I have built up a great relationship. We um we bumped into each other when we um when we were with you, Steph, actually, and. Russellton, Western Australia, mm. and you just, you, you have a really, and I, I must admit, I feel this about everyone who I've built a relationship with, but when you're out there racing, you're willing them to do so well. Um, I don't have the fight in me that's like, oh, I want to beat my friends. I have this kind of, I want to be the best I can be, but my God, I want to see Katrina have an amazing race. My God, I want to mm. see Nikki have an amazing race. Like, there's some, you know, so, real friendships I feel and I really genuinely genuinely want to see them do so well seeing Kat fly to second in Tulsa just a couple months mm. ago was that now um couldn't feel anything but ad- admiration for her yeah like, got to a straight after um I had to go have a shower <laughs> desperately but you know she's in, in Tulsa with me there but I'm on FaceTime like just wanted to express my emotion and just absolute elation for it. It was an absolutely wicked performance. It was. It was unreal. And I was so glad I got to speak to her after that race as well because she had some really interesting insights about that particular race and being, you know, close to Daniela and five minutes behind her and having the penalty. I really enjoyed having a a really honest discussion with her about that as well. Um, but and it will always okay, be honest, Pat. I think that's where the relationship's so good because you know there's no BS. It's just all honesty, yeah. And, and are passion. you like that too? Like her and her husband are so passionate. Like the debates we can get into, it's great. <laughs> and but so you find you would be equally as honest as Cat? Yeah, yeah, equally honest. Um, I'm probably. Um, I don't know, don't really know what the word is. Um, I want to say her, her pragmatic approach is inspiring. Is that the right word? Kind of losing my words a bit here, but I think, um, her army background just gives her this kind of structure in, 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 in the way she goes about things. And I admire that. Yeah. Okay. I like it. Um, I want to ask. Also, sorry to interrupt okay. this. Also, you... Ben and Mark, so our respective husbands, have found beer buddies within one another. So for us, that's great because they keep they have really quite important conference meetings in the middle of the day, and we we're no longer with our bike mechanics, but we we soon crack on. <laughs> <laughs> See, it really is a team effort. It really is. <laughs> So I want to know, you're 200 metres from the finishing line in in Kona. You're neck and neck with Kat. you're going to say Texas then. Because oh. <laughs> I missed out on my Kona slot in Texas from Leslie Smith by nine seconds and that was 200 metres from the finish line. I thought you were replaying a moment then. <laughs> I wasn't, but I'm glad you brought it up. Um, let's go with that. We'll go back to mine later. What? <laughs> So can you remind me, did she overtake you? Yes, she did. She ran yeah. me down. I think she had an 18-minute deficit on me going onto the run, I think. I know. I know this. <laughs> it's 18 yeah. minutes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, to block it out. <laughs> and in Texas, you, you're sort of running to the finish, but you have to do a very narrow 
snake around to get to that finish line. I'd done it the year before. And I just got told, you've got to run faster. I was like, what do you mean? I'm running as fast as I flipping can. <laughs> and it got really narrow. And yeah, I just made the, oh, did I, I didn't make a mistake, did I? I was going as hard as I possibly can. She outran me. But, you know, you, you race for sub just sub nine hours, I believe that day was. And it's like nine seconds and you think, wow, I've got to do all this again. Yeah. Because <laughs> I really wanted to go to Kona. You know, there was nothing stopping me. I was going to keep racing. I mean, it's, it sounds very rookie, but, you know, I was just desperate to get that experience. Not desperate. That's probably not the right word. I was excited to get that experience. Yeah, you But sorry, it. so Kat, Kat and I are, are, are near, nearing each other on the finish line at Kona. Wow, that's that paints quite a picture. Well, so before we go down that line, I, I want to. I just wanted to share a joke that your story reminded me of, and I, I don't know who to credit this joke to. Maybe I'll need to look it up uh, afterwards. But there's this joke where the um, it's a stand-up comedian. He's like, "Yeah, you know, these athletes are training, <clears throat> excuse me, for the Olympics, and it's they've been training for four years, or in this case, five years, and you know, they're coming around that that final bend and they're running." in last position they are dead last and they're looking around at the crowd and they're like huh five five years of training for this day to come last i could have not <laughs> trained for five years and have come last <laughs> it's a good joke i like it <laughs> um anyway uh, what are you taking a photo of i was taking a photo of the babies asleep by my by my feet my goodness, you are such a dog mum. I love it. Um, okay, so 200 metres from the finishing line in Kona, you and Kat are neck and neck for first and second position. Your, your best mates out on the ground. Um, think think of the Tokyo test event when Jess Learmonth and Georgia Taylor-Brown were both running along the blue, the blue carpet. They grab That's each other's hands. hands. That's hot hands. <laughs> What do you do? Firstly, to even be in that position, um, let's be honest, I'm having the race of my life and <laughs> something catastrophic has gone off at the front, which means there's a few A-listers A that have, you know, not, not arrived yet. So, wow, <laughs> that's got to happen first. Wow. Um, well, I know for sure my parents will be there because – you know, flights are booked and they are so excited about this. Um, and if I see my dad anywhere close to that finishing shoot, which I will, and I will hear, um, that's going to give me everything I need to get to that finish line as fast as possible. I don't know if it would be enough to beat the speedy legs of Katrina Matthews, but I know my dad will be there and I know that sound will propel me to something silly. <laughs> We won't be holding hands. I think Kat will agree. We won't be holding hands. I, I like that answer. I like you've you really put a lot of thought into that. You've really uh, visualized that finishing line with your parents there, haven't you? Well, it was only a couple of days ago they booked their flights. I was like, oh god, I haven't even booked I haven't booked mine. I've booked accommodation. But you know, we're we're still not certain, are we? Well, I yeah. am. I'm I'm very, very certain and, and very much in, in the headspace to get prepped for that for that one big dance. Um, but, yeah, so that's really firmly in my mind. And the emotion my mum said when she said she'd booked the flights and just how excited and proud she'll be to be there to watch at the Ironman World Championships because, you know, she's read Chrissy Wellington's book. She's read oh, um, MBK's book. She's she's read all the girls' books of, of, of how Hawaii is and, and what it means and, and the depths we all go to. So... Yeah, that's why they, they, they cropped up in that little visualisation of Katrina and I at the uh, finish line of Kona. Oh, goodness. I love it. So, okay, so clearly you come from a close-knit family. Your parents are super supportive. They're still together? They are. And they work together. Yeah. So my dad would argue that they haven't been married 35-plus oh. years. It's 70 years. <laughs> <laughs> and... You having a degree in mathematics knows that 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 um, equation is correct. <laughs> yeah, day and night. Wow, and 
and never spend a night apart. I could probably count on one hand. Um, absolutely everything they do is is done together. I mean, my my husband now stag do. That was a couple nights for mum and dad to be apart. Um, probably yeah, count on one hand the occasions. It's a it's a very warming relationship. It's lovely. Wow. And so, what do they do for work? They have a, so my granddad had a building business and went into building swimming pools. Uh, My mum started working for my granddad. My dad also started working for my granddad. My dad asked my granddad if he could marry my mum. And what's the swearing policy on your podcast? Oh, go for your life. I love a swear word. He said, no, F off. You effing can't. (laughs) So... My dad and my granddad's relationship didn't start well, but yeah, you know, they, they did marry and, and, and here we all are. So in answer to your question, it's, fa- it's a family run business started up 40 plus years ago. Um, my granddad building and then building swimming pools. And now we're sort of branching into the hot tubs. Well, we're not starting. We are selling hot tubs, saunas. And I mean, this period of lockdown, everyone's investing in their homes Um here in Norfolk in the UK, we're surrounded by holiday right. homes. Um, super busy, super exciting time. Wow. So I assume that there's a form of pool spa thing in at your place? Yeah. Yeah, we have a pool, sauna, jacuzzi, hot tub. Wow. Okay, so you have been as sorted as you can be during COVID times. Yeah, and really busy at work. So, yeah, gr- like great, right? We've kept ourselves engaged and yeah. and alive and motivated. Yeah. So, so do you do a bit of work for the the business as well? Yeah, I do. I work one day a week, and I also oh. keep up with the keep up the social media. We have an eBay shop. Um, yeah. Yeah, right. Oh, there you go. It's a great balance. When I get the And sorry, right. did you say <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think the balance doesn't matter who you are, what you do, trying to find balance is one of life's mysteries because I just don't think you can ever quite get it spot on. No, every week's different, isn't it? Please excuse this very brief interruption. I would like to tell you about Eat For You. They make healthy and delicious bars. My personal favorite is the Hero Bar, which is chalk peppermint flavored. Also, it's Frankie Flo's favorite flavor. Whew, that is a mouthful. Uh, but they also do some really cool things within the community, including the Give A Bit program, which I'm an ambassador for. If you use the WitsUp10 code at checkout on their website, you not only get a 10% discount, but they also tally up all of the WitsUp10 codes from all across the lands. And from that, they give us food to give to a community or a charity of my choice. As far as the bars go, the things that separate them from the pack are that they don't use protein powders, fillers, or sweeteners. So there's no preservatives, nothing in there, just all good food. Uh, Their bars are vegan, gluten-free, and non-GMO. They've all been lab tested and confirmed. Plus, they are also all batch tested. So you know you're getting high quality products that are also safe and their packaging is plastic free and home compostable. So they're just doing all the things that are great for people, great for the planet. It's just greatness. And I highly recommend that you jump on their website and use that code WITSUP10 when you check out to make sure you get your 10% discount and the warm fuzzy feeling knowing that you are part of the Give A Bit program. So, okay, so you've got uh, siblings? Yeah, I do. I have a brother. Um, this is probably the most heartbreaking part of COVID, actually. I have a brother and his, his wife and two kids who lived in Japan. Uh, we were out there the Christmas before lockdown started. Um, and since then, they moved to Hong Kong. They had to quarantine with their young kiddies for two weeks in a hotel. Um, we haven't seen them since that Christmas before lockdown. And at the time, Amelia, their youngest, was just a little baby. You know, now she's a little girl running around and little chats Mm. and stuff like 
we're loving seeing it mm-hmm. on the phones, but it's it's not the same. You really want to feel like you you're with them, you're seeing them, you're building that relationship. That's the hardest thing about lockdown for our family, for sure. My brother and missing all of his beautiful family. Yeah, particularly um, when you are obviously a a close tight knit family. Um, that that's definitely definitely the toughest for sure. Not being able to see loved ones. There's it's great that my um, my grandparents learnt how to use FaceTime and everything, but it's still it's it's just not the same. And the difference between a baby and two years later is yeah. a, a lifetime. It's insane. Yeah, yeah, you're experiencing exactly the same, right? Yeah, tricky. Yeah, I'm just fortunate that, um, well, we can get over to where my parents are. It's only an hour flight, uh, so it's not too hard. It's just that we're in Melbourne, which keeps going, get, getting thrown back into lockdown, but still the, right. the chances of being able to see my parents are reasonably good in comparison to the rest of the world. Um, when do you yeah. envision seeing a, a little Amelia and the rest of the family well it's crazy right but I have I, I can see us all meeting in Hawaii um you know for Hong Kong to Hawaii that's going the other way around the world we're flying this way I mean this people may be listening thinking way too ambitious it's only going to be the athletes there I don't know I'm staying hopeful because you know the the beachfront apartments booked we're on alley drive we look out to the sea it's all very magical i've already visualized it we're all there together so yeah fingers crossed that dream does come true only time will tell that's the thing plan plan for it and it's in the back of your mind that it may not happen but yeah stay stay positive until then otherwise it's just so depressing and negative if you don't have things to work for yeah, I mean, otherwise we do have flights booked out to go to Hong Kong next February. So, you know, that, that, okay. that's when we'll go. That's when we'll go, if not, next Feb. Yep. Nice one. Let's go back to mathematics. So <gasps> I <laughs> – this is a test. I'm actually going to start throwing you um, some uh, problem-solving things, some whatever. I think some I equations. Well, I think I'm going to I think I lost connection with my headphones is what I'll say. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm interested because I, uh, back in school, my two favourite subjects were PE, f- well, physical education, we called it here in Australia. I don't know if it's the same in the UK. Yeah, yeah, um, Yeah, yep. And maths, they were my two favourite subjects. I didn't care about anything else. Um and as as I've grown up, I realized that I the thing that I liked about maths was that you were given an answer. You you were pretty much right or wrong. That that was it. And at that point in time, that's what I liked. I liked having a definitive answer. Whereas English, I just I I just I couldn't get my head around. I passed and it was fine, but I just I struggled with. I don't know. Maybe I struggled with expressing myself, perhaps, but. Back back then, that's what I really enjoyed about it. Same with 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 sport to an extent, is I'd be playing team sport, whether it be netball, soccer, or what have you, and you had you essentially had a winner and a let's just say a loser. But but you know who you knew who won at the end of the race or at the end of the game. And I I liked knowing where I stood. Does any of this ring true with you? Oh, massively. So yeah, like with maths, you're right. You flick through, correct, correct, correct. Even when you're working through a problem, you know you're getting it right. Um, it's just it, it, it's just how your mind works. You learn how to solve a problem and you can solve it in, in certain different ways. Love that about maths. Yeah, just like you say, expressing yourself, way with words, um, business studies. You know, my, my maths A level was an A. My business studies A level was a C. Wasn't so good on that side. <laughs> My other A-level was actually photography, which I had a great relationship with the teacher. That was just all about getting creative and putting the work in and showing the eagerness to learn. So, but no, I 100% understand what you're saying. When I got to university to do maths, not the same. Oh. <laughs> it, wasn't, it wasn't as easy as, okay, I can solve this problem and I'll know it's right or wrong. It like the solving 
to sort a problem like one module mathematical biology golly gosh I mean (laughs) it's kind of how I met my husband now he did financial maths at Loughborough and I did maths so some of our modules overlapped and in our final year we both did that module mathematical biology and I think we both got within one percent of one another um although we'd pick different questions because um um, university maths you often get maybe four problems to solve and you have to solve three of them um right yeah university was a completely university mathematics was a completely different animal yeah I really had to I really had to knuckle down to get my degree there and and obviously different to what it was at at high school but it was was it what you were doing at high school was what led you to maths or so what what was the driving force to going into studying maths for another four years or whatever it was yeah you know you get those moments in life where people are like oh you won't do that or you you can't go to the olympics or you can't play at wimbledon or whatever they may say i've had it all um one (laughs) of them was kimberly don't do mathematics at a level and I was like oh but if I choose to may you teach me because I loved my maths teacher Mr Beanie and he said yeah but I don't recommend you do it anyway I did it I did it at a level I got my a and then I thought you know what I'm going to take this one step further let's go and do mathematics at university (laughs) so that was the driver like you know being told no and just kind of going and proving not proving them wrong proving to yourself um yeah I I mean it was only a couple weeks ago I may have brought the Olympics again (laughs) (laughs) and then when your ambition level is off the charts not I I must mention they're not in triathlon um is off the charts and I was like yeah but it's exciting no and he's like okay I'll let you be excited about it You are hilarious. I, I, I'm very much driven as well, and I'm very aware of it by people telling me I can't do something or I shouldn't. I'm to to the point that my friends take great pleasure in knowing this and daring me. But by by daring me, they're actually saying, "I bet you couldn't jump off that into that freezing cold lake." You know, things like that because they know I'll do it. And it sounds like you're pretty similar. Yeah, although that reminds me, the rock in, in Hawaii that, that we go and jump off, well, that we went to jump off the day after the race, um, Nikki and I were being absolute lemons about jumping off the top step. And even if the guys had said to me, oh, go on, Kim, jump off the top step. No, no, no. I was nervously putting myself in at the bottom step and you know had shoes on not to bust the bottom of my feet. Like... I'm a wimp when it comes to stuff like that, but <laughs> otherwise, challenge but you, accepted. Yeah, right. But so you still, at least you jumped off the rocks. A, a, a small rock. Oh, can we call it a rock? <laughs> <laughs> a pebble. I jumped off a pebble into the ocean. <laughs> but I have, oh. wearing shoes is smart. Because it's the climb back up that you need the shoes for. I jumped off with my shoe. I have jumped off several times with my shoes on as well because I'm because we're clever. Yeah, so that's what my husband said. He said the shoes aren't because you're falling from such a height that you're going to hurt your feet. It's to get back up. And I was like, oh, I, I thought it was because we were that high. He went, we're not that high. <laughs> no, I can't. We're not that high. Do you know? I don't even know if I've said this on any of our podcasts, but. When we went, uh, I can't even remember, it uh, must have been 2017, uh, we, we were down at the end of the world jumping off and we met these other triathletes there and I was there with Susie Cheatham and her husband, Rob. Ah, uh, and... she was with us too, yeah. Oh, I wasn't there Did with Rob's... No, that was. No. No, different year. Yeah, yeah, definitely different, different year. year. Yeah, yeah. But this other um couple or the the guy from the couple he jumped off and lost his wedding band 
in in the ocean like you've seen the swell like it's coming in and smashing against the rocks and the water's pretty clear but still there's swell and waves and smashing against rocks rob susie's uh husband is like i'll get it dives to the bottom of the ocean floor and finds this wedding ring and comes up a legend it's amazing that is ridiculous because when we went jumping off the rocks, my husband lost his watch and Rob went and fetched it. I Shut up! Not, I am not joking. No. <laughs> How do I not know this up. story? Yeah, I couldn't make it up. That is amazing. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. He's a free diving uh, superhero. That's amazing. He- He's an essential part of anyone going, I, I want to say cliff jumping. It's not really, is it, Rob? <laughs> but wow, when you were telling that story, I was thinking in my mind, no way. Steph's not going to mention something about jewellery, anything dropping. But you did, and it's like exactly the same story. Wow. This is, it's going to turn into an urban legend, and it's going to be, you know, along the lines of Rob. Every year, Rob goes down and he finds a treasure chest that pirates had hidden centuries ago. It's going to turn into that kind of urban, <laughs> urban legend. Oh, brilliant. Okay, so let, let's, let's take it back. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of painting a picture of the kind of person you are. Um, this, and this is where all my questions are leading. At, well, actually, we'll go back to that. What I wanted to ask you was, like, your your kit in racing and training and your bike are always well everything from the the kit that you wear to the to your shoes socks um all the things and the color of your bike it is all it's probably the most matchy matchy out there on race day and and would we say psychedelic it's pretty bright it was very very bright in kona i mean i was on the scott plasma five and it had that real fluorescent yellow in it so i it was also the drag to zero colors so i kind of replicated that in my bespoke or custom endura kit and then when the new scott plasma five and scott plasma six came out there was hints of purple i was like you know what this is the tone down i've been waiting for so i (laughs) I basically matched i matched everything to the bike um and then scott brought out a purple range um, so I always see what the bike frame's looking like that year and go to Endura with some color palettes and then they create great designs, which always includes the dogs. Um, I mean, they've even made ah. an appearance on the helmet. They're even on the helmet this year. <laughs> um, I've, I've, so yeah, I've just got Instagram up and I'm zooming in. You'll see it on the most recent Time Child Tuesday post. Um, oh, so the, yeah, on the front always, there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Um, when it arrived, I was like, oh, is this a bit much? And everyone I showed it to was like, yeah, but I love it. And I was like, yeah, I love it too. <laughs> <laughs> well, so my question was, how much does that brightness um, depict your personality? Do you think it well, shows off your personality quite well? Well, the brightness is great because – People following and supporting know I'm coming. And anytime I get any feedback after a race, they're like, oh, the coverage of you was brilliant. And I'm not actually sure whether it it was or whether when I was on the coverage, I was so noticeable um, that it seemed that I was there. there I don't know. But everyone always comments, coverage of you was great. So I think that's kind of just the kit's so memorable and so recognisable. Does it sum my personality up? I would say I am, and a, and, a, and a girl I admire and follow on the British cycling um, scene, Emily Meekin, put a comment out the other day. She was like, I've got a rest day, but why do I have a thousand one things to do on my to-do list? And why do I have to do them all now? And I was like, that's probably, that's more my personality. Like I have the time to rest, but why is there a thousand one things on my to-do list? And why do I have to do them all now? Um, I don't know if I'll ever get out of that. It's just me and the way I am. So I'd say it's it's a bit more chaotic than uh, than bright. But 
it's it's certainly not boring. I, I feel like I do sometimes exhaust people a little. <laughs> really interesting. Do you, are you one of these people who can't stand seeing, um, you know, like two hundred unread messages on your phone, things like that? Wow, that never happens. I wouldn't get to that. <laughs> I do have you've breaks. You've got shit to do and get it done. I I I do have breaks from my phone. Um, but my husband has all the social media stuff on his phone, so any notifications like that, he sifts through, and then he'll just say, oh, such and such sent, sent a lovely message, la, 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 and then that's great. Um, the email thing, wow, there could never be, like, more than seven in there. They have to either be read actually or, or noted or something, yeah. Have to keep on top of that for sure. Don't want to miss anything. And I unsubscribe to all the rubbish, so rubbish doesn't flood in. Very important. Very smart. And we, yeah, that's something I need to work on. Um, but I'd love to get your feedback on how you, well, your response to when when my messages get up to like five, 600, and I can see you <laughs> starting to like get antsy about that. All I do, I just go select all, mark red. And then I'm like, cool, done. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, wow. Okay. So you may miss stuff, no? <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, I miss a lot. I do not try to email. If you if you want to contact me, email is the worst way to contact me. <laughs> oh, okay. Noted. <laughs> <laughs> but then I also have, I like, I, I love, like, we love going out on the boat here. We live quite close to the coast. Um, I love pottering about in the garden. Like there's so much, there's so much I can, I can be busy, but not have anything to do. Does that make sense? No, I always have something to do. That doesn't make sense. Um, I can keep myself very busy at the unbusier times. Yeah. I can't imagine you just kicking back and completely relaxing. Does relaxing make you anxious? Very. Yeah. I, I still haven't. So so many people have said, you know, have you tried meditation? Which just that word makes me cringe. It's just it's not my thing. But what I find that is quite meditative for me is going for a stand-up paddleboard because I'm doing something but I'm away from the phone. I'm not doing it for exercise per se. There's something about floating on top of water. So that's my kind of meditation but I'm still doing something. I can't just lay there and think about stuff or not think about yeah. stuff. Yeah, and that's what we love about the boat. We have like the mm. seals. We go out and we go out and wave at the seals. Um, that kind of thing. Yeah, love it. And then if I'm feeling brave, I'll jump in. I'll get that cold water. Oh, I love that feeling. Just getting in the cold water. You know, taking a few drinks, having a little something on the beach. Yeah, no, nice. that's my that's my pleasure time. Real pleasure time. So I I've heard a lot about. Well, I haven't, I've done no research about it, but I've just seen a lot of people doing it and talking about cold water therapy. And I tried it for the first time yesterday because it's quite cold here. So I went for a little dip and it was amazing. It was hard to get in, but it felt like everything just sort of fell away from me. It was really weird, but really cool. Have you ever done that kind of thing? Yeah, I did it in the winter. I did a couple of dips, um, not in the wetsuit. And Ben thought mm. I was crazy. He was like, what's the point in this? You're literally just getting in and getting out again. I was like, no, give me time. I'm going to fully submerge. And then, yes, I am going to get out. But I just want that sensation. Honestly, it was only 30 seconds. He probably laughed. It wasn't even that long. But the ah, oh, the buzz afterwards. I am a big mm. fan of the sea, and I will jump in as, as much as possible. And I do wear a wetsuit now just because it's it's more race prep for me now rather than the sort of meditative kind of feels you get yeah. from it um I also cringe slightly at that word um and <laughs> I will continue I will certainly continue to do that throughout throughout my 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 life not just for triathlon I absolutely love the sea and I love being in it love it people talk about these cold yeah. showers I haven't indulged in that I'm not sure I will I think it for, 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 for me, it just sounds like that would waste a lot of energy just <gasps> getting so cold. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so yeah, maybe I not feel, the cold I feel, thing, but the, the swimming. Yeah. 
I, I feel like it being salt water, at the, yeah, in the sea is the defining factor. Um, I can't imagine standing just under a cold shower either. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I wanted to go back to what you were talking about with your suit and how a lot of people always say to you that it was great coverage of you. I My, my theory is t- twofold. Yes, I think your kit obviously stands out. Um, but also swim being a fantastic swim biker, you're you're always near the front of the race. So you do get well, decent exposure, I think that's fair to say, right? Yeah. Yeah, that that yeah, because they do focus on the front of the race, don't they? Yeah, yeah. So when yeah, when you're at the front on the bike, that's uh definitely handy. Um and you alluded to this talking about potential olympics are you talking about tt olympics potentially i'm talking about getting into cycling but this is the first conversation i've had outside of home about it oh i haven't even spoken to my coach about it um it's (laughs) it's definitely it's definitely something that is in my mind and it's definitely something i would want him to come on board with um but we haven't had that conversation yet so (laughs) And I haven't had it with any of my friends either. So are you asking me to cut this? Ah, it's it's an exciting point. Um, I love cycling. That's the only reason I would really throw myself in at it. Um, Yeah, let's see. All right. Watch this space. Watch this space. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone heard it here first on the Wits Up podcast. I like it. We just had an exclusive (laughs) I do appreciate though, like you, you have your you have your super swimmers in triathlon, you have some stronger cyclists, um, you have your super runners. Um we we don't all translate and go and achieve in that singular sport because it's not the same and I appreciate it's not the same. And I have mm. said before that my bike strength really shows through when the course is suited to me. Um my versatility mm-hmm. in cycling I would rate as as, as below average. Um, I just have a real strength when the course suits me. So there's definitely a lot of work to be done with my uh, cycling um, abilities on, on varying courses. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a whole other world and I appreciate that and I appreciate it. it's mm-hmm. not as easy just to just go and, go and compete against just the cyclists. Um, I do compete in the UK national time trials. And that throws up a whole bunch of different things. You've got the circuit champs. I got a silver there just a few weeks ago behind Hayley Simmons, which quite a few people will be familiar with her name. She's a, yeah. a, a fantastic um, cyclist and time trial cyclist. And then we get the flat and fast highway, like might get a, a national 50 or a national 10. Um, the one I'm really focusing on this year, and this is the only other national time trial I'm doing, is the national 25. I feel like that holds a lot of prestige, that one. So I'm really dialing in to, to get to get ready to give my absolute everything for that national TT. And then obviously I'm kind of gone off subject, but then obviously Kona for me is the focus. What uh, what time of year is that TT? August. Okay. Exciting. nicely. I mean, European mm. racing for me will kind of be done. I'll have that and then I'll have the Hawaii build. Excellent. With the entire family there to watch you. Yes, that is the dream and the goal. <laughs> how did you how did you get into triathlon? Gosh, um my mum, we were on holiday in Thailand, um, whole family, brother included. And yeah. mum finished a book, she put it on the sunbed and went, Oh, that was good. That was a good read. And I went to pick it up and she went, Kimberly. Do not read that. You'll want to do an Ironman. And it was Chrissy Wellington's A Life Without Limits. And I picked oh it up. My and, God. I, and I read it. And I took it back to London. I was working in London at the time. I was reading it on my commute. And I was literally finding myself going into her adventures because her book's very much dedicated around the adventures she had building into mm. her success as a triathlete. I was getting lost in it absolutely loving it while I was sitting on the commute Mm. I was thinking you know could I be waking up in Nepal could I be doing these ridiculous cycle rides could I be borrowing a friend's wetsuit and and giving triathlon a go could I could I could I um I signed up to a Corby super sprint 
And I remember borrowing a Claude Butler steel-framed bike. I believe it was my uncle's. Um, <laughs> racing that and finishing third overall. Um, thinking, oh, why didn't I beat those two men? Thinking in a really competitive way. And then I just started reading about the age group stuff. In 2014, became European age group champion. And then that's when everything started started to take off. I was like, wow, this is a sport I would like to dedicate myself to. I absolutely love it. So that is the, um, that's the life-changing moment, that book on Mum's Sunbed. That your mu- How did your mum start reading it? Because Chrissy Wellington was also a girl from Norfolk, I think she read a review about it in a local paper. And she thought, oh, I'll give this a read. That's quite a nice, quite a nice local story. So that yeah. is the reason my mum bought the book and took it on holiday with her. I think, no, I think she saw it in the bookshop at the airport, but had read a review about it before. I believe that's how she picked it up. Right. And then, of that's course, so... I, went to all Chris- I went to all of Chrissy's talks and I got my book signed and it said, Kim, go get your palace. Yeah, brilliant. Okay, so that, sorry, that was 20, no, 2014 is when things started to kick off. How old were you when you were in Thailand? That was 2011. That was the year before the Olympics. And I was working for Lloyd's Banking Group at the time and I was in charge of the logistics around the games. Um, When I say the logistics around the games, I mean people in the office getting to and from work. I don't mean anything to do with actually the games. Built, like building the village that. and <laughs> <laughs> so um we I was actually tasked to allow people to go and watch or, or spectate certain things when they didn't have tickets so I put myself down for the triathlon of course um so it was only a year later when that 2012 Olympics took place and I was there watching Helen Jenkins run round um and oh no sorry the women's we were in the stand we actually got tickets for the women's um, it was the men's I was stood in and amongst the crowds. Yeah, so 2011 was the year I read the book. And and how old were you then? Gosh, what was that? Was that 10 years ago? Yeah. Yeah, 23. So you've gone to all, all of Chrissy's local talks and whatnot, got, got the book signed. Now, now that you're a professional athlete, have you had any communication with her s- since? Yeah, I saw a couple of weekends ago at PTO London and I was um, I was running and I managed a smile and a hey Chrissy and then uh, met up with her afterwards and then she was super excited about my CJL leisure van. So I, her and her other half and her lovely little girl came and had a look around the van and had a nice chat just like it was normal. Like, hey, I, I obviously know you. I don't know you, but I've you inspired me into this sport. And she remembers me from a couple of, well, does she remember me? I hope so. Um, we were in an Eastern Day oh, press article together and things. So? Oh. No, I said she remembers <laughs> you from all of the things that you just kept popping up at. So you stalked her for <laughs> <laughs> Um And, yeah, so that was, that was really cool. Yeah, really cool. Wow. Does she know the impact that she's had on you? Yeah, I did remind her just a couple of weekends ago. And she kind of smiled and went, oh, <laughs> don't be. It's like, no, no, seriously. <laughs> still, a, I, still a massive part of me being in triathlon right now. Well, she is. She's the reason I'm in triathlon right now. That's insane. I love that. I just, I don't think I've honestly, I've spoken to a lot of professional triathletes um, and a lot of age group triathletes, and I hear it a lot from age group triathletes how they've been inspired by her and and, and whatnot. And, and then I guess in the general world of triathlon, Chrissy is an inspiration. But I don't think I've heard from a professional triathlete someone that she's directly I- inspired in into the sport, into into a career. It's kind of cool. Yeah, yeah. I just. Do you know what scares me a little bit? I hate to think what book I'm going to read next. (laughs) (laughs) I started reading Lizzie Hawker, who is an ultra distance runner, and she was doing the Mont Blanc Ultra. And I was like, wow, 
oh yeah I would love to do that and then I was like whoa hold back I can't read every book I read and you know uh, she went to the Antarctic so every book I read I can't then be be put on a different path otherwise I'll never get anywhere oh that's hilarious I just have visions of you yeah on a on a yacht doing like a circumnavigating the the globe on a yacht with zero experience because I don't know some 14 year old did it so you can do it but back, back to your point earlier about do you feel anxious when you try and rest or, or you know, sort of try and clear everything out and just take a moment. Um, when we went on a family holiday and there was nothing there, just, you know, beach, blue water, you know, you could walk around the island in 10 minutes. Um, there's me there, notepad and pen, planning a record <laughs> attempt. <laughs> And it wasn't even, it wasn't triathlon, it wasn't, it was, it was okay, it could be anything. Let's explore swim options, bike options, and run options. And there's me, wrap bubbles, and, and anyway, this was, what year was this? Gosh, this must, it was four years ago, so 20, 2017? Yeah, 2017. So, you know, Land's End, John O'Groats got put down on the paper, swimming the Atlantic got put down on the paper, <laughs> like, just ridiculous like I mentioned about exhausting my others like this this was exhausting my husband loves to relax and loves nothing more than that <laughs> beach and a book and lovely food and there's me just throwing ridiculous ideas out there and just exploring what other people may or may not have achieved or tried to achieve <laughs> oh my oh, gosh golly. so do you think it's fair to say that he somewhat grounds you in a good way? 100%. And he does daily <laughs> remind me of, of the importance of what I'm focused on now. That's, re that's really important for me to have because I can overwhelm myself with too much. <laughs> You're hilarious. Okay, let's just say you, you could attempt any record that you wanted next week. Like what would be... What would be that world record that you would love? Could be anything. Could be like a hot dog eating competition. I the reason the Lands End John O'Groats, um I I've listened to podcasts um Michael Bortwith, he did a really inspiring kind of account of, of what that takes. The thing I love about that is it's not a solo effort. Like you couldn't possibly do that on your own. So that's great. That's fun. That's creating a team. That's a lot of planning, a lot of logistics, um, a lot of reaching out for support. But also the unknown. Like, how can you possibly cycle for two days um, fast enough that you obviously can't have a proper sleep? You obviously mm. need some, some form of rest. And for me, in my mind, I'm like, wow, that's such an unknown. I have no idea how I'd be able to do that. I have a, I have a, I have like an idea of a timeline and some markers to tick off along the way. I mean, the first job would obviously be due to, to do a 12 hour time trial, 24 hour time trial, maybe do some other point to point cycling. Um, that there's people out there. Jasmine Muller's a really good example who, who have been attempting it as another girl in the army who's attempting it as we speak, following their progress and stuff. It's like, wow. That is so unknown to me how that's even possible. I would love to put the plans in place and 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 and, and yeah, I'm going to I'm going to going to give it a go at some point in my in my career. I can see it happening. I can totally see you will be having a big attempt at something. Not that Hawaii isn't a big attempt anyway, but you understand what I mean. Like I can imagine you doing that. There's like a big argument and I've had this debate or not debate discussion with with a friend around, okay, Lands End John O'Great, it's not really a world record, is it? It's a course record. And yeah, yeah, it is a course record. It's a it's a it's an impressive one. Um and it's like the hundred mile British record. You know, I I'm I'm second fastest over a hundred miles, you know, that that's also in my mind, you know, could I break that? I mean, I'm conscious mm. with something like that again, like it's not it, yeah okay it's a British record but it's more a course record and let's be honest you need the weather on your side so mm. yes it is all about you and your bike but 
there's a massive element of the weather. You have a float day, you're going to get close. Um, mm. You have a shitty day with a lot of wind pounding you and the the the, the rain on the on the road, the wet on the road, and it's not going to happen. So I do take these things with a little bit of a, you know, world record, British record. They're really course records. Yeah, okay. I think that's what I find so fascinating about the English Channel Crossing is the weather obviously plays just such a massive part in that to the point that you could be, well, I think you have to like say, all right, I'm going to attempt it within this week because you just don't know what day you can go because it all depends on what's happening with the weather. And that that in itself is is a huge challenge, not even knowing when you're allowed to start. Yeah, exactly the same for the Land's End, John O'Groats. I mean, you're going to right. have your team ready, but you're not going to be able to tell them, right, we're going on the 6th of June, we're off. It's not going to be like that. But also, like you mentioned, the channel, the tides as well. You yeah. could be swimming and then you're over here then and then you're, oh, gosh, the external influences. Yeah. That's what makes it so hard, right? Yeah, but then I can also see the massive grin in your face as well, which suggests to me that you like that side of the challenge too. Yeah, well, yeah. Like Tulsa for me was crazy. Like I lost my, um, I lost the front end of my bike for the last hour of riding. And, you know, I I was really ready to give that last hour, hour the big beans. Um, I knew I wasn't going to beat my company on the run. So, you know, let's try. Let's, let's, let's see how much of a gap we can put in. Of course, it wasn't going to be enough. We're talking about two of the two of the fastest runners in in the sport of Ironman but <laughs> I saw that and I was telling this story to to friends after the race and they were like you're so badass like you saw that as an opportunity to push on I said like, yes because my bike was still stable at the front end it was only the bars I had my hoods so I got air on the hoods and you know pulling turns at the front and 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 just staying with the girls just like okay, this is a real shitty situation, but my bike is still able to move forward. Yeah. I'm going to I'm gonna go for it. What, what a great challenge to overcome. My legs didn't thank me on the run, though. <laughs> <laughs> In my experience, your legs never thank you on the run. No. <laughs> uh, well, that, that is about our time. Um, I hate to wrap this up, but I actually have a small human that I need to – get some dinner sorted for that she's currently locked in her bedrooms not making a peep so that we can actually get through this discussion um but oh, i'm gonna have to start yeah, i have to start wrapping things up um but wanted to say well first of all sorry about the tech issues the first time we tried to connect but thanks for chasing me up and it's been awesome getting to know you a bit better oh yeah no thanks thanks for having me steph well, I hope that uh, your dream of 2021 comes together, seeing your family in Kona, and I hope that all all, all things go to well go to plan as best they can. Um, I probably won't be there, but I'll be there in spirit. Okay, perfect. Yeah, thank you, Steph. And, yeah, look forward to seeing you at some point soon, I'm sure. I'm sure we'll make something happen. Let's see what the world is doing, what the craziness is happening. Thanks, Steph. Lovely to chat to you. Bye. Thanks for tuning in. Please make sure you hit subscribe on whatever podcast platform you are using. Leave us a comment. It gives us some feedback, but also helps with our podcast ranking. But above all else, keep yourselves knee deep in awesomeness and we'll speak to you in the next episode.